Welcome to Lottery Dreams and Fortune. My name is Timothy Schultz. Thank you so much for listening. I'm excited to share this interview with Jerry Winkler, who was homeless for nearly 10 years before learning about his biological father, who was a multimillionaire and coming into a life-changing inheritance. Now, if you want to watch this interview in its entirety, I will put a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. So I am excited to welcome Jerry Winkler to the program today. He actually is a motivational speaker. He's the founder and director of the Winkler Foundation. He actually used to be homeless and came across an inheritance. And his story is absolutely fascinating, very inspiring. But Jerry Winkler, thank you so much for joining the program today. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. So I know you have been on a show. It was Lottery Changed My Life. So some people ago. in the United States and some places are familiar with your story, but a lot of people that are watching or listening might not yet be familiar. Can you give us some background on, on what happened? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, I grew up in, in Dima small place nearby Amsterdam. I think that's a, a more familiar place for uh, for everybody. And um, I had a lovely youth. Uh, I grew up with my mom and my brother and uh, and everything was fine until my mom uh, got sick. She had an, uh, a brain tumor and uh, she couldn't take care of us anymore. And I needed to live with my father and my stepmother, who I never seen before. Yeah, maybe once when he was showing his new car but never seen him before and it was five years of fights struggling they didn't know how to act or uh, how to handle a child and i didn't know how to to act myself against them in that time i was like eight years old so from my eight years old till i was 14 it was uh, my life was a big mess it it, it was uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, nice at all. And at the, the higher top of the, 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 the biggest fight, I decided to uh, walk away from home. And from that time on, I was uh, uh, adding into the healthcare system in Holland and to the, the foster uh, places and to the uh, border schooling, I, I think you call them in the States. And, and that was my youth. And... I think if you grew up in border schooling and in, in, in foster place, they uh, teach you what you may not do, but they don't teach you the values of life. They never give you uh, the support when you do something right. Uh, it's it's the opposite of what you get when you grew up with your with your mom and dad, with your parents, or people who even love you. Uh, so when I was 18 years old, I needed to leave. The, the, the boarding school because in Holland then you're an official adult hmm. and um, I needed to find a place for myself so if you can imagine I was having a place for myself it was a, an, an, a, a one room living and I never learned how to pay my bills how to uh, uh, to act for work um, all those kind of things so it was already set up to uh, to fail and that's what actually happened. Um, so uh, when I was in my younger 20s, I think, um, 
they, uh, they, they, they placed me out of my home and I was homeless. And um, I was homeless for like maybe like eight years and I lived on the streets. I was finding my own way. I was in the beginning. It was like a huge adventure. You know, the, the, the world was was there. But in a while, you also get uh, you feel ashamed because yeah, over here they say uh, to their children when they see somebody sleeping on the streets, if you don't go to school, if you don't work, this is how you end. And I was on that place. I was the guy who was uh, the homeless. So there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of uh, feeling guilty. There was a lot of feeling feeling angry about my youth. Uh, a lot of uh, feelings and also I needed to find my own way from how the hell do I get out of here how do I find my own place in the society and um, there was a huge struggle uh, because also the people who need you to help uh, they also don't know how to do it or or the places where you need to go it was full and to make a long story story short, finally I had some places where I could go, and um, afterwards uh, I was like, okay, they can't help me further. So I was going to live in an in Holland. We call it anti kraak. It's like they have buildings. They don't want illegal people to come in there, so they put other people in there for a little while, squatting. Like a, a shelter. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like an anti-squatting, I think. Ah, squatting, oh. you call it? Mm -hmm. Yes. So at that time, I chose for that place, and then I had the choice, okay, if I really want to have a place for myself, I can pay the rent, but I can't pay my debt. So if I'm in that house, they will take me out of the house because I can't pay my debts. If I pay all my debts from all those years of being homeless, I cannot pay my rent. I uh, I needed help, and that was the time I phoned my uh, my father and my stepmother again and we had an, uh, a small conversation and in that conversation i suddenly hear like jerry uh, oh i asked my stepmother like okay but the way you're acting and how everything happened is my father my really father and she said to me like you have to ask him that question to himself hmm. and then you know enough and then it was like for me okay that's a weird answer and um finally i got the answer and yeah after all i've been through like uh, having a bad youth uh, grow up on the streets uh, as as uh, as extra bonus they told me hey jerry your father is not your real father so yeah that that was for me a big shock and, and but also the moment like okay i want to know who who am i you know like in like i said before it's like in the movie of jackie chen who am i and uh, um i started a search to my father uh, and uh, my brother he knew that my mom she was working at a huge company and one of my names is alfred and it's another common name in holland hmm. and um my brother could remember where my mom was working in a company called technipower and um, he said to me, like, hey, Jack, there is an article in the newspaper about uh, uh, about the company. And it's about the heritage of a director of the company. And his name is Alfred Winkler. 
And I was like, oh, that's funny because my name is Alfred too. It's weird. Maybe coincidence. I don't know. And that's when I contacted the journalist who wrote the call. And I had an appointment with him. And that's the, from that time on, uh, I was coming in a real roller coaster again. Because the first time uh, I met him, he said, well, Alfred Winkler, you know, he was a self-made millionaire, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and he said, if I see you, you do look like him. So, yeah, I was was shocked. And uh, I said, okay, but how can we prove or how can I see that he is my father? And not because of the money. It's because of finding my, my daddy, my father. And um, to find out if it's true, I had to do a DNA test. And the DNA test was uh, in in uh, the property of the people of the foundation of my father. So I had to contact them and to say, there is a possibility I'm a son of, of Alfred Winkler. Lucky for me, my father, before he died, he married a woman. Uh, and he was living together with her. And she had a daughter. And... The daughter, uh, after my dad passed, she wanted to prove that she was his real daughter to get the inheritance of the money. She even painted their hair black. and, and But because my father was married to her mother, she could claim that they take the body out of the grave and they get a tooth to get some DNA. So lucky for me, there was some DNA. And together with the people from the foundation and with lawyers, uh, I had the chance to do a DNA test. And um, yeah, after uh, a little while, the results came in and it was for more than 99.999% sure I was the real son of Alfred Winkler. Wow. And that changed my whole life. Yeah. So they extracted a, or pulled a tooth or had a tooth and got DNA out of there mm -hmm. and determined that you are absolutely quite certain that you are the son of Alfred Winkler. What exactly. did, What did that feel like when you learned this news? I mean, that had to have rocked your world. What, what did that feel like? Well, first of all, it was like um, the, 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 the evidence that my life before was was a lie. You know, every parent teaches their child, you never have to lie. Don't lie to me. Always speak about the truth. But my whole identity was a lie. I was like uh, a huge family secret. <laughs> and um, so that's that's the first thing what 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 goes to your mind. And and the second thing is like, uh, I I think when I heard it, the moment I. They called me, the lawyer called me, I hung up the phone and yeah, it, it was a kind of blackout. And first of all, I also called my brother because we also, yeah, I also found out that my brother and I, we don't have the same father. Mm. And I told him, I said, hey, you're still my real brother. That's the first thing I told him. I said, but this is what happened. And um, yeah, from that time on, it was like for the foundation and for the lawyers, what are we going to do with Vigeri? Because now we never knew there's a son of Alfred Winkler. And it, it, it was an emotional roller coaster. It's, it's, it's crazy if you're like 
if you can imagine eh, that from uh, when you're like eight years old and you've been through that your moms get ill, your mother uh, also dies, uh, um, you grew up in, in boarding schools, in, in uh, foster places, uh, you become homeless, you live on the streets, you survive days, nights, you get stressed, you get uh, everything around it that becomes like, whoa, what if everybody was just telling the truth and I was eight years old, maybe then I just could go to my real father and what would happen then? So all those kind of feelings and things that came up, but hey, in the end I was thinking, okay, but this was the path I needed to walk. My youth is not like growing up and yeah, have a youth with going out, having drinks, meeting people, uh, getting friends. No, for me, was it? Uh, I always see it as an uh, a test, an adventure, and that's also the way I could give it a place. And from those lessons I learned from my past, that's creating me what I am in the future. That is incredible. It sounds like a movie, but you actually lived this. How long were you homeless? I think always being homeless, people only think that those are the people who are living in the streets. There are so many people homeless who live with other people in their houses because they can afford their own house or whatsoever. It's also a, a way of being homeless. So homelessness is a, is, a, is a huge word. And if I explain about myself of being homeless, so also in a way that I was living with other people or living in the streets, combining that, it's like uh, around 10 years. Yeah. And then also uh, before in, in border schools. And also, you know, if you live over there, it's also a kind of being homeless because it's not like, if you're going to uh, a border school, you are Timothy, and we give Timothy the attention he needs. We're going to see what uh, are the skills of Timothy. Uh, when uh, we can we can see when Timothy is sad, let's talk to him. It's not like that. It's like you're just your social number, you know. It's so. so uh, it all started when yeah, I was like 14 years old. And then till I was 27. So then it's like 13 years. Yeah. And I want to get into this inheritance as well. But before mm. I get to that, I mean, what are the two perceptions, would you say, from the two perspectives of having been homeless and then being on the other side of it? What are the differences? Well, of course, eh, you know, it's there. there's a huge difference of being homeless and, and uh, being not homeless. And I can tell you, I, it, it weren't always those bad times being homeless because you always also have a way of freedom. And I start realizing that when I wasn't homeless anymore. You know, it's because the uh, just uh, it, it for me it was like whoa the the society when I wasn't homeless anymore the society or the the it it asks so much from us you know to stay with your life and being on track. They're asking a lot of us, eh? you know, we have to, to, to work a lot. We have to do this. We have to do that. As long as we don't think by ourselves, like what the hell we're doing, then it's okay. So you're almost busy your whole life with working and, and all the things just to survive and being homeless in that time, I was only busy like 
okay, I have to eat, I have to drink, and I need to get out of here. You know, for me, there were, but if you see, it's only a place to sleep, eat, and drink. It gives you a small way of freedom. It's a weird kind of freedom, but the pressure what's on the people who are not homeless, I, I realized that it's it's huge. And also because all the people, uh, uh, and that's what I think, and that's what's also what's bringing me in when I was homeless, is that people think we have to reach the top. We 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 need to succeed. We 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 need a huge car. We need a big house. We need uh, this and that. And from being homeless, what I learned, it's like wow, I have finally a fridge to put my food in. I have a house where I can walk in and take my shoes off and hang up my coat. I can uh, do the things what I need, just the basic things. And all the people are thinking like, okay, but that's it's normal if you have that. No way. You're already rich. You're already a multimillionaire if you just can take care of yourself and have those basic things what you need. I think that you already then succeeded in life. And if we appreciate appreciate that kind of thing a little bit more, then other things become less important. Then it's it's like it's like candy or something extra what you what you get. And that's what I learned from being homeless, from that perspective. Hmm. That's that's very very interesting. And just to back up a little bit this with this inheritance, what exactly happened with with that? Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lottery, Dreams, and Fortune. My name is Timothy Schultz. I'm so grateful for you for listening. Now, if you want to watch this podcast on YouTube, I will put a link to the playlist for this podcast below, as well as a link to this specific video. Let me know in the comments below the video what you think of this interview. I love checking out your comments. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh, wow, Timothy, it's, it's, you know, I thought that my life of being homeless was a roller coaster, but, you know, suddenly there was uh, a young man, a homeless guy, and uh, he walked up, claims he's the son of Alfred Winkler. He is the son of Alfred Winkler, but hey, Alfred Winkler was a self-made multimillionaire. He had a lot of companies, a lot of uh, real estate, and, uh, but where's money, there's trouble. There's also fun. But there's also trouble. And um, there were some people in the foundation where he left his money on. And um, um, let me say it's really nice. They found out a way to make themselves a lot better. So um, for them, it was also like, you want to ask something? To, ma- to make themselves what? To make themselves what? To make themselves and their bank accounts a lot better. Ah, I so see. what I mean is like, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, let me tell you this. The, the, I, the day that my father passed away, the day after, they were already uh, locating all the real estate and all the things he had and do the shuffle and bring all the money in. And it's not a lot, about two or three million. No, it was about maybe like... 40, 50 million. 
and it was uh, about all the real estate uh, through through uh, through the world. And suddenly I was there, Jerry Winkler. What are we going to do with him? What are we going to tell him? So I also needed to find out when can I trust them and when I can't trust them. So it was an, an, a really interesting way to find out how we are going to uh, treat each other without, without trust. And next to that, that was how does the Dutch law work? Uh, if, if you're a child, uh, when can you claim your heritage? And the Dutch law said that five years after somebody passes away, you cannot claim the heritage anymore. And next to that, and that I don't want to make the story uh, that difficult, but the same journalist I spoke to eh, from uh, who, who, who wrote that, that article by my father, he told me, he said, Jerry, he said, you know what? I'm going to write a new article again in, in, uh, in a Dutch newspaper. And maybe people are going to read it and they know your father and they can tell you some stories about it. I said, well, please do. And he said, it's going to be a little article, but no worries. The next day, um, I was uh, called up by some friends and they said, Jerry, you are in every newspaper. And I was on Teletext. I was on, I was like, what's happening over here? And it was not a small article. No, he placed like this to, to, uh, Two really big, uh, how do you call them? Pages on the on the oh. article, and wow, like a cover story. The the, the title was suddenly uh, I was Jerry Winkler, the uh, homeless millionaire's son. That was the title, hmm. and that that same night we had in 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 Holland we had a, a famous uh, talk show called Paul Witteman. And they invited me to come there. Like, who is that guy who is the homeless millionaire son? You know, uh, please talk about it. It was a, it was an American dream story. You know, it was like it, it only happens in books and in movies. So um, I told them, of course, I want to come, but only with one mission. And that's to show people that I'm not that homeless man with a long beard who smells, who's, who's what's what it can happen to everybody. That was the mission. And um, but. I never could imagine that the media all over the world took that story over. So it was huge. Even from the States, they called me, can we make a movie of it? Can we do this? They wrote even a, a book about me. It called Overnight Millionaire. It, it became huge. So when I had to talk with the people of the foundation, they also knew, like Jerry is really uh, uh, huge in the media. So they needed to take care of that, that I won't say to the media whatsoever what really happened with the heritage of, of, my, of, of my father. So they said uh, after a while, you know what, this is the amount of money we will uh, give you and, and that's it. And I was like, okay, that's enough to build up my life. It was enough to... Uh, to do some travelings and but get a fresh new start of my life and to have an honest start. So that's uh, that's what happened. Are are you able to say how much or roughly or or do you keep that private? I never I I, I never spoke about it. 
uh, at least I never spoke about it, but it's it's it it's it it was uh, uh, it was a nice amount to to start up my life, but it was not even near near the money what and it's weird to say what I actually needed what they actually needed to give to me. But you know, if really uh, wealthy people, they also have uh, really wealthy tools. So, hey, I could sue them, or hey, I could do this, but they will win because they have way more money than I have. So it's, I was like, okay, you know what? I can stay in the negative environment and be mad because everything what happens with, I was like, wow, I, I, I got some money. I can build up my life. I, I'm, I'm still young. And that's what I chose. And from that time on, uh, my life changed. And it was like, in the beginning, my life changed because I was, instead of a number, I was Jerry again. But also, in, in uh, I was not Jerry. I was Jerry of the story from the homeless guy who found out about his uh, uh, rich uh, rich father, his, his, his millionaire uh, dad. That is incredible. That that is that is the stuff of movies. And you mentioned it earlier, but there's a book that was written about you, Overnight Millionaire. We will put a link yeah. to that in the description of this. And it's also also a way to say it, it, the most of the people they they because it's I didn't wrote this book myself. It's a book what's what's was written about me, and. Um, if they see the title "Overnight Millionaire," they always think I'm a millionaire, and uh, I never chose chose this this title. Uh, mm. But for me, "Overnight Millionaire" means not being rich at uh, after uh, one night. No, over the millionaire is I had a life. Suddenly, I had a life. I didn't need to survive. I had a life, and that's being millionaire. And that's also the perspective that, that most people think, you know, it's it's always about being rich and being, no, for me, it was more like I have a place to sleep. I I can do the things I, I wanted to, I can buy my groceries, I can drive a car, I can do the things what's, what's, yeah, but what for people uh, is, is, is normal. Actually, it's, it's, no, for me, it was like, that's, that's being rich. Absolutely. It's a huge mm -hmm huge lifestyle not only lifestyle but your whole life was sort of turned on its head and mm, exactly not necessarily the lottery in the sense that it's the game but it's in the sense that it changed your life drastically practically over well you see i've seen i've seen uh, several podcasts of you uh which what you uh, made with other people and excuse me for my english you know it's, it's a little bit thinking and, and finding the right words but if you buy a lottery ticket you're hoping to win the money if you go to a casino you hope to win the money and that was not for me you know i wasn't looking for money i was looking for my father my my dna so it's it overcame to me, and 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 that's a huge difference, you know. It's like it it it's it 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 just happened, and the whole time I I wasn't busy with the money, you know. It's it, of course I became busy because there were people who stole all that money, 
and and everything what happened around it. But it it overcame to me. It was not a choice. Hmm. Did you ever imagine or think prior to all of this happening when you were homeless? Did you ever imagine that something like this would happen? Did you ever think that you would get off the street? What was your mentality? Well, of course, you know, I never could imagine that this would be my life story. Never, of course not. And uh, being homeless, I always had the drive to to reach something, to have a place for myself. So I can finally be the person who I actually am. Because if you're homeless, you also get a new identity. Because you have to do things that people won't understand. You have to do some things that people will say, what the hell are you doing? But you are on a survival level. Yeah, for me, it was only like, okay, if I I, I want to reach the thing that it's one time in my life, I'm also the one who comes home, give my wife a kiss, and uh, there's some, some dinner making and, and, and uh, watching a movie at night and having maybe children or whatever. I was hoping for it, of course. But... Um, no, I, there's no way I could ever imagine that there was such uh, such a different story for me. Uh, what happened in the way in the way it happened about the surgery in my father? Yeah, hmm. there was a lot of happened. Yes, it was. You mentioned that people didn't always understand the way that you had to live or things you had to do, mm-hmm. or in the general sense that that happens to people that are homeless what what type of things do you mean and what do you think the perspective is from people that are not homeless that are looking at homeless people that is there an incorrect perspective because if you've never lived it i can't i imagine you don't know what it's like what well imagine okay uh, imagine a little bit like this you know okay i I take all your money away you have a family and everything i take everything away from you but your family need to eat. Your family need things. What would you do? Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, I suppose. To you know, to an extent. Exactly. So that's also, and of course, there are also, and it doesn't count for for every homeless. But for me, it was like I had to steal food. I had to sleep in hotels without paying because if you slept on the streets for like. 20 days you're exhausted Hmm. but you have to keep going on it's not like it's only sleeping on the streets being cold being warm no there's a huge thing going on in your mind and it gives you stress it gives you all kinds of things what happens in your head and that's also is going to be your identity the way you act the way you do and how you're going to handle with that and if you think, take everything away from the people, then you can see like, okay, but what would you do if you don't have anything anymore? But you still need to take care of yourself. Hmm. And also what you see a lot now uh, with families, you need to take care of your family. You will steal. You will do things that's not your real identity because that's not the real Timothy. But you do those things to survive. But people in that time would say, oh, Timothy, you ass, you're a stealer, you're a... 
I don't know, you know, because they see the things you do, but they don't know why you're doing it. That's that's really interesting. That's not a perspective that myself or most people I know consider mm -hmm. because we've never lived that. So it's very interesting. Well, it's also, I think, you know, if you're, um, we did it also in Holland, I did it with a few people like, okay, let's live on the streets for like three days without any money in your pockets. And it's not that you get the feeling of being homeless because you know, in the end of those three days, you're going to your own place, you can wash, you can do, uh, it's not, but you will see, okay, the first day without money, it's already a struggle. But the second day without money and food and everything, what you're gonna do? The third day, you're exhausted and you see, so then you can, and the most of the time I get a reaction of them like, okay, finally I'm at home again. I can appreciate my shower. I can appreciate, I can grab some food. You see, and that's, that's the thing because they took it for granted what they have. And then suddenly it was something huge that they, that they have. But also in those three days, I saw people who said, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to ask people some money to buy some coffee. I said, would you do that in normal life? No, I won't. I said, and that's your survival mode. What's on now? You are going out of your own identity to reach some things that you need. And it's not the coffee. Eh? Normally it's also water, but that's how it works. Would you say to someone that says there's a common, at least in the United States, and I assume some other countries, there's this assumption sometimes if you see someone that is homeless with some, some people think, well, why doesn't that person just go try to get a job? Why doesn't that person mm. try to do something <clears throat> with themselves? What would you say to, to that person that feels that way? Oh, that's, that's, that's a really good question, Timothy. It's, it's, um, and, and for me also, when I was homeless, I, I, I did have a job for a small, uh, for a little while. They didn't even know I was sleeping on the streets. And that's what's happening in these times. Eh? This happens right now in Holland. Many people who have jobs and uh, they, they are uh, uh, poor or they can even do it. And the same thing happens in the States. Um, but it's, it's, it's normal that people think like, hey, why don't you get a job? Or why don't you, uh, uh, because it worked out for me. But if you think like, in a way, how how did you become homeless? So, like you said, it, it's more like, uh, how do you say it? It, it? It's more like a question, why don't you get a job? It's that you're already, you're pointing something at the homeless. But if you ask yourself the question, how did you become homeless? Mm. Then you have some space that somebody can explain what happened. And of course, you know, not every homeless is, is, is like the... the the person, what I was in my situation, there are also people who made the choice to do it. They chose for a criminal life and became homeless or was it was a choice. But there are, are also a lot of people who uh, um, became or came in that situation because something really terrible happened in their lives. And their brain couldn't take it anymore. And you see, it's, I, I know a story about maybe a guy and, and his, his, his parents died by a car accident. And he had a struggle in his mind. 
they didn't pay his bills anymore and he couldn't do that anymore. And suddenly he was on the streets. And then you want to say to somebody like, hey, how did you become homeless? And it's not because I'm right now the, the holy homelessness God or something and that I know all the different, but that's from my own perspective. Yeah, that's something that most people don't ask is how, how did they become, how do people become I think I, I think, and, and, and sorry to interrupt you, I think that it also comes because we're not so busy with each other anymore. We're living in our own islands. I think, yeah, and that's the, the same thing as we do with, with, uh, with the foundation, if we start helping each other, and it's not that you can help every homelessness, but people who don't have so much money, if we as society start helping each other more and start listening to each other's stories, that we can do huge things. Because, hey, the government and all, uh, they don't have any solutions. And, and, and uh, they're all things because everybody needs something of the big pub. But we, as a society, if we can help each other more, I think we can do huge things. But that's what they learned us. Don't be busy with each other. Busy with yourself. You need to make a lot of money to stay alive. But you're also not busy with what's my neighbor doing or what is he doing or how did you become homeless or hmm. why is that guy at school? He's always sitting in a corner. Why is he always so sad? Would you would you say that there's a lot of mental illness with some people that are on the street? Stress, depression, those kind of things. Yeah, that's what. But it's it's uh, it's the result of what happens when you're living on the streets. Yeah. Hmm. But there are also that's what I see in 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 Holland. There are also people who are being homeless. They uh, but they don't understand online how to. Uh, pay the bills or online to do everything is online but they don't have those skills mm. but if you don't have those skills and you don't have a social network then what happens so mm. and if is that an illness no because they have other skills but it's also that we see that that's what happens if you can go on with the fast life yeah you will you will drop you will fall out you will fall off the boat in the water and are those people always bad? Are they stupid? Are they no, no way. They have other skills. But we don't have time to to discover them. Because I think in life we have to make uh, we have to make a separation of being rich or being poor, being smart, being stupid. That's what happens. I mean you've certainly lived two perspectives that most people have not. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lottery, Dreams, and Fortune. My name is Timothy Schultz. I am so grateful for you for listening. Now, if you want to watch this podcast on YouTube, I will put a link to the playlist for this podcast below, as well as a link to this specific video. Let me know in the comments below the video what you think of this interview. I love checking out your comments. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the episode. So, you... You have an insight with that, which is extremely interesting mm. to those, at least to me and to a lot of people that have not lived that. I've, I've had experience. So don't blame yourself if you don't think that way because you're not having that experience, you know? Because for me, that, that was my life. I do have the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And what is your perspective with 
money and happiness. Would you say that money buys happiness? What are your thoughts of on this? Of course. Of course. You know, it, of course, my, I would be a liar if I if I say, no, no, it's not the money that makes you happy. Of course, but that's how the world goes. Um, but it also depends on how much money will make you, you happy. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's because also it's like eh, a billionaire is going to start living like a billionaire. So eh, he, he has higher bills and, and whatsoever. So the standards are, are different. If you have enough, I always say, if you have enough money to pay your rents and pay your bills and do your groceries and those kind of things, and you don't have to worry about it, you're you're already a millionaire. And if you make some extra money and you can do the, like what I did, the trip to Costa Rica or, or uh, it's, this, it's the same what I can do for my kids. Or, or uh, my wife, she bought today a new uh, a new camera and all those kind of things. Of course, money buys happiness. It's also a tool to develop yourself, eh? to, to reach other things. With money, you make money. <clears throat> but I think the real happiness, that's, that's more in appreciate what you have from the basics and appreciate your surrounding the, the the people around you that's 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 the the real treasure i think that's the real holy grail yeah that sounds and now I, I i feel like that i'm sounding like a holy grail i'm not you know i'm also like a small guy from amsterdam who also likes to do the 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 other things you know i'm not not like uh but yeah that's well it is the way that that i'm teaching myself to stand in life yeah and develop mm-hmm. myself Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I and I love all of this. And you actually are a motivational speaker, as we mentioned at the beginning. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's motivating me. I mean, it's very inspiring. So, what what exactly are you doing now? Uh, for now, I'm uh, like I said, I give give. Uh, I'm a speaker, motivational, inspirational speaker. Uh, I do also give uh, uh, lectures now about. Being poor, like I said before, is also uh, and the people are ashamed of. And what I do with my lectures in, in the, at companies to make it more uh, a bigger thing that, that you can talk about it. So that a company can say, hey, we're open for you if you tell us uh, you have some problems at home. But also that it's easy for the people to speak about they have trouble at home. Uh, that's what I do. And also uh, about my life story to tell them it's more like motivational, inspirational. Uh, it's it's about uh, those kind of things. And, and and that's what I love to do, to talk about it and to discuss about it, to have the interaction, but also to give people my vision of the two different lives I I had, the, the, the two real big opposites. And next to that, we just started our Winkler Foundation. And it's a foundation who is going to support the people in Holland who are uh, still having their own place, their own home, their own family, but they don't make enough money anymore because of the inflation and uh, all the, the higher taxes and to to uh, to support them in a way like, okay, can we make you help you to a, make a budget plan or a way to uh, help you with groceries or uh, um, to make your life uh, good with more quality. So you still appreciate, you get all the things what you need. 
And it's it's all new in Holland, but we already know, and that's what I just uh, talked with you about. It's not a foundation who is uh, uh, with the government. This is all with with people from companies and and small and big who are saying we want to help the people who don't have the valuable of life anymore. We want to help them. We want to help them to get back on their feet again. And I connecting them. I'm just connecting. And that's what I said. If you're connecting those kind of people, they listen to each other's stories, then they start helping each other. And when they start helping each other, they're doing uh, huge things. What's and the that's, biggest... that's what I do. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's the biggest thing that someone can do to help people that are homeless, would you say? Well, it's it's not, I'm not, like I said, eh? I'm not, uh, and, and that's going to be me. You know, the homeless people here in Holland, it's, like I said, it's difficult to be an, uh, uh, to have something in healthcare, to really help a homeless. So I was more thinking to be preventive. So am I saying it right in English? Preventive, eh? yes, yes. To help the people before they get homeless. Mm. Um, and and there are a lot of ways to do to help those people eh? to uh, to to so they can still have the things that they that they worked for that they fought for, but they cannot pay the milk. They cannot put their children on swimming lessons. They don't know how they can save some money. Those are the things we are helping with. And that's also like if somebody is paying his debts and all the time, but his wash machine breaks, we can help you eh, with the wash machine because you're paying your your debts. It are the small things. It can do huge things for a lot of people. And that's what we as foundation really want to bring over to to the people and especially now here in Almere. But who knows, maybe uh, we can uh, we can do that for way more people. Well, that's that's wonderful. That's really wonderful what what you are doing. It's sounds like it's truly making a positive positive difference. What would you tell someone that is feeling down on their luck financially? Like because you've lived these two yeah. huge different lifestyles. What would you tell someone that's feeling down specifically having to do with their finances or that's it's, homeless? It's it's the, the, the first line, What's I think it's the first line, what's on my website, and it's in mm. Dutch. Mm. Be strong, ask for help. You're strong when you can ask for help. And that's for our foundation, you know, the, and especially the way that we are giving those people the help. But it's also to the government, like we have to, the, the government has to take another look in, like how do we, how can we help those people? We have to we have to make a transition in the way to help those people as like we did years before. And if they start doing that, then maybe things will will change. But be strong, ask for help. It's 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 not a shame if you're in debt. It's not a shame if 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 you're feeling hurt. It's not a shame if you cry. It's but talk with each other about it. And, and, you know, it's, it's, if it's, uh, I always say, if it's hip, you said it in the States, it's hip, it's trendy, it's, it's yes. a big trend, being poor, then everybody will poor, 
will be poor and then everybody's happy. Like I said, if I have a t-shirt and it's a trend, hey, I'm having debts and I put it on, then it's easier for people to talk about it. Hmm. Because there's always a way of shame, a way of failing, or, and it's not. So be strong and ask for help. What do you think about the notion that anything is possible? Because you, again, lived to these two. Look at my story. You never know what happens in your life. And I never thought about, you know, it's because for me, it was my life. And it, it started, I'm starting to realize it when people said to me, like, whoa, your, your, your story is giving us hope. And I was like, how the hell is my story give, gives you hope? You know, it's like, and then I start realizing, oh, because people maybe think that it can change in the most weirded ways. You never know where it comes from. And that small piece of hope, it helps people a little bit to hold on to survive. I think, I think it's, it's it, it, now I'm still tell, <laughs> talking about it. It's, it's still, I still get messages, you know, I, I haven't been in the media for years because for me, it was like, okay, I, I, I did my story. I talked about it and now I'm want to be the Jerry again, or no, nobody knows or nobody knows, but, and still I get messages from all over the world. Your story gives us hope. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's very inspiring and it seems like it's making a huge positive difference. So thank you very much for sharing your story with us today and, and with the world. Jerry, is there anything else that you want to say today that I don't know enough to ask or that you just want to, to talk about today? Well, like, like we said before, you can ask me anything. I can do a little bit of my story. If people want to know more about my story, they can always see it if they go on Google. It has to be in Dutch, www.winklerstichting.nl.nl. Or they're having questions, find me on Instagram or whatsoever. I'm always open. And it's not that I can always help. But I'm always open for for questions or whatsoever. And I just want to say to the people, it's of course sometimes it's a lottery ticket that gives you what you need. But sometimes you can give yourself a lot without you even notice it. Like I said, appreciate what you got. That you can buy your food, you have your place to stay, you can go to your work, you have people around you who love you. You can maybe go on a holiday, appreciate those kind of things. And everything what comes extra, that's, that's, that's the candy, that's the bonus. And that's, I think, the message that, that people really need, and especially in these, kind of, in, in these times. And it's also not a shame if you have to sell your car, where you always work for, just to pay your bills. It's as long as you have a place to stay, you can pay your debts, then you're doing a good job. And from there on, you can build your life up again and help each other. It now it really sounds like Jerry Winkler, <laughs> oh, not, uh, Jerry Springer. <laughs> take care of yourself and each other. <laughs> but we should. We should take care of each other. Yes. And 
Yes, R.I.P. Jerry Springer. But it's that that in all seriousness, that is a very positive and wise message. And it, I know we are running really short on time here, but it brings up we do. The, it. It's bringing up the notion of the happiness, true happiness, and where does true happiness come from? Because some people think that you mentioned the lottery ticket, but when you buy a lottery ticket, you're buying a dream and that can do incredible, wonderful things. But Mm -hmm. what most people are truly seeking is happiness. Mm -hmm. So I I would argue on the fundamental level, what makes people happy? I think also there are a lot of things what makes people happy. They don't even see it. You see here, watch, we're sitting for this interview. Look, I'm sitting in the in the room of my newborn son. I have three children. And during this interview, I'm looking and wow, I can we can give this kid everything he needs. And the same as my other two children, the same as my wife. I can sit here in this room and look at her and think and being so proud. Sometimes I'm standing outside my house in the backyard and I'm looking at my house and it's, it's not, I'm like, uh, uh, Oh, that kind of, uh, guy. No, but I know how to appreciate it. And I'm standing in my garden. I look at my house and I'm imagine that my wife is sitting in the living room. My two sons, they sleep in their own room in a really cozy room. My daughter, she sleeps in the opposite room and she has everything she needs. And I'm standing here in the garden. Nobody can do me a thing. So walk a little bit around your house. See and appreciate what you got. I think that's that's for me, looking at my family to see what we have. Hey, that's huge. That's happiness. Hmm. Well, Jerry Winkler, thank you so much for your time today. Your story is very, very inspiring. We will put links to your website and your book in the description of this this interview. Is there anything else you wanted to say today? Well, I was surprised that you were contacting me to have an interview <laughs> because I never won the lottery. <laughs> but it was it was it, it, nice uh, uh, to speak with you. And like I said, you know, normally I don't do any interviews anymore. And also suddenly it was like, hey, what the heck? I want to speak to uh, to Timothy. So it's I appreciate the way you were uh, uh, treating me and also with the questions and everything around. Really good job. And yeah, I hope. Uh, it brings a little what I just spoke, what we just spoke about. It brings a little bit of a mindset to all the people who are listening uh, to my story, and and that's it. And I just want to say the best of luck for everybody. Enjoy your life and the greetings from Almere. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I just really, really appreciate your time. Sweet, you're so- very welcome, Timothy. So that was my interview with Jerry Winkler. Thank you so much for listening. What did you think about this interview? Visit the YouTube channel for this very video. I will put a link to it in the show notes and comment with your thoughts. I love checking out your comments. There are new interviews coming soon. As always, remember, anything and everything is possible. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for your support.